Hey, it's your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy DM Prep. In this weekly show, we go through the steps for Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for our Sunday for my Sunday D&D game. I don't know if you have a Sunday D&D game. If you do, you can prep along with me for your own game. This show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. Patrons get access to all kinds of exclusive material, but most of all, they are helping put on shows like this. So to the patrons of Sly Flourish, thank you so much for becoming a patron. Oh, exciting times. The characters are inside the Caves of Hunger. We're closing in on the end of this campaign for my Sunday group. My Wednesday group is taking uh, a little extra time. They, they're doing some other stuff. They, they they went to some areas that I didn't, that I didn't do. So... But my, this group is, they're, they're zeroing in and they are going through the Caves of Hunger. They are headed to Yethrin. Really fun stuff, but they're, you know, the, the, the scale, I like to talk about the yam-shaped campaign, right? The yam-shaped campaign to me starts narrow at the top. So it starts off narrow. It starts off in Bryn Shander. It starts off with the Foaming Mugs quest. Then it sort of expands outwards. I argue that Frostmaiden, the way it works, it expands too quickly outward, too fast, where it's like, now you got 13 other quests. Which ones are you going to do? By the way, you can only do five before you're out-level them all, right? That's, it, it got too wide and that means we need to narrow it down and say okay of the 13 quests which are the six we want to offer and they can have throw two of them out right that would that would work so then it widens out again when it goes to chapter two and they're exploring Icewind Dale and they're doing all that stuff and then they have some options and it's like do you want to go to Grimskull do you want to go to uh the, do you want to go deal with the dwarves you know the 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 the, the sunblight dwarves and do you want to or do you want to go to the caves of hunger right and in this case, and then it narrows back down. Okay, you've done a, one or two of those other ones, and then it narrows back down to whatever the final conclusion is. So I like that shape. I like that it starts in a place and it ends in a place, and then there's lots of options in the middle. In Fro- Rhyme of the Frostmaiden, I've had to kind of control the the width of that yam, the yam-shaped part, right? The middle, the wide middle. I've had to kind of condense that back down. But now I'm good, because now they're in the Caves of Hunger, they're going to Yethrin, and that's going to be the end of the campaign. So they have been traveling through the Caves of Hunger. Let's let's take a, uh, a look at the Caves of Hunger. They made it up to the door. They went inside. We, I skipped all the, I skipped all the stuff with the Regged tribes. I just, I mean, for some reason, it just didn't grab me. I wasn't that interested in it. So the elk tribe uh, dealing, the elk tribe and tiger tribe stuff can be interesting. That would be very interesting if you had characters who were part of those tribes. Otherwise, it's it's not real. It's not really that interesting. They go inside. I replaced a Professor Scant, which is this sentient orb, with Valish. Well, not with Valish Scant, with the ghost that they picked up in Tourmaline that has been with him. That was another member. So I, you know, I've been I've been switching out some of these NPCs, which of course you should feel free to do in your own NPCs that are interesting that your characters are, have picked up should be foremost and then characters that they bring up here you kind of throw them away so they're inside the caves where's the big ass map of the caves let's open this in the new window right so we have the big cave map look at the size of this thing oops i guess i guess that's two so they came in through here uh they just got to uh this area here h5 right they they managed to crime crime through here they fought some flame skulls they got in here and there they saw rend hollow rend hollow is the caller for Teklili, the vampire knoll. Rend Hollow is a vampire kobold. So Rend Hollow is sitting there on a thing like watching and they were fighting, what did they fight? Sturges, not Sturges, ice methods. A bunch of ice methods attack them. And he's smiling and they're like, what are you smiling about? He's like, nothing. And then all of a sudden a claw grabs the cleric and lifts him off the ground. He's like, oh, what? 
and and there's Tech Lili, this huge vampire knoll standing there. And I want to make this one of the first times that Tech attacks them. I want Tech Lili to my my goal is for Tech Lili to be able to attack him a few times. Is that too prescriptive? Maybe maybe the idea uh, is is too prescriptive. I don't know. Maybe when I say I want him to do X, that could be a sign of a problem. So we'll find out. But that is where the last session uh, ended. Let's take a look at the session notes themselves and see if any other interesting things happened that we would want to that we'd want to bring up. So they fought, they finished off Oral's second form. Oh yeah, so I talked about Oral's second form and how much I didn't like it last time. So if you want to hear more about why I didn't like Oral's second form, you can hear about there. I did have them fight Oral's second form now and my players noticed that I had changed her. So one of the things I gave her, she did an area of attack that did a bunch of damage to everybody around them right before she died. And that was sort of like a Matt Colville action-oriented, let the monster explode at the end. And one of my players was like, I wondered how you were going to make her a challenge. And then you did. And I was like, oh, she shucks, you figured it out. So it was a little bummer that like the player knew that I had been modifying the monster, but hey, whatever. So they defeated Oral second form, but I had to beef her up quite a bit. I basically gave her like an area attack blast thing. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. The Oral, the Oral stat blocks really kind of bite. They went to the Caves of Hunger. Uh, they burned through the, the glacier with the Summer Star and got in. And then they began to travel through the Caves of Hunger. I, I have to remember that castle, that the candle's Remoraz egg is beginning to warm up and wiggle. But yeah, so you see I have Yethrin, the, 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 the cell of Thrun, that all, that stuff is all going there. We did have some fun campfire tales. So I, I offered up and I actually wrote notes. Look, me write notes that i said like when you're taking your long rest before you go into the caves of hunger how do you feel about where things are going like what are you are you happy and so perrin kind of started <laughs> perrin who's the conspiracy theorist started this big talk we kind of stood up and said you know i came to the north to get away from people i never in a million years thought that i'd be joining a corporate raider and a family of giants and what a journey it's become. And in fact, you know, there are aliens out there. I always knew there were aliens. And he goes on and everyone's like, yeah, that was great. What a great speech. Like, great, great. And like push him to sit down because he's like getting crazier and crazier as he's talking. Candle talked about the fact that, you know, as of, you know, it came to Candlekeep as a cub, the bile bears. Oh yeah. He told this, he told this, this bad joke, you know, the, the bar, the barbituate. Yeah. No, not yeah, it's kind of funny. Shadow said that he was dealing with a change, dealing with the fact that he's been changing from a drow into a mind flayer, and he's worried. He, he wants he thanked the party for protecting him from the knight's kiss that they got away from the knight's kiss. That was pretty cool. Ilda just you know said you know how crazy is it that we duped a bunch of nobles? I think I forgot to mention this that a bunch of the nobles who belonged to the cult of Thrun, which is like the the knights of the black sword, they conned them into thinking, oh, if you give all your money to the Brinchander Community Center, we will fatten up the herd of the people and get them ready for sacrifice. When in fact, they're just taking all their money. So they managed to embezzle a bunch of money from a bunch of rich aristocrats who followed some stupid cult. And they just like, she's like, wasn't that great that we did that? Like right before we left, right? Like we, we managed to take a bunch of money from a bunch of corrupt nobles and give it over to the people through the Bryn Chandler Community Center. Wow, that was great. And then she's like, you know, I never thought. And then she started spilling like all this gossip about nobility that she knew because her family was in there. Like, do you ever know that this guy was actually sleeping with this guy over here? And there's all this stuff going on. They never found that out. Right? And everyone's like, <laughs> oh really Auken hid in a ca cave in the wilderness and gore wanted to thank everybody for trusting him with their financial futures you know this is a future there, there is a future for this and that future is you so he was like working working the working the angle so that was really that was really fun weird stuff from the past oh yeah so i dropped this in while they were walking through the caves i kind of i kind of was a little heavy-handed with this but i think it i think it kind of worked out microphones Oh, I guess it's fine. They started to see remnants of themselves from many centuries ago. 
they saw a dead mind flayer who was dressed in, in Shadowhawk's garb, but with a skull that had been that had been fully transformed into an illithid. And they found a bones of a halfling that had been kind of discarded, and the bones had had like lines and filaments over it. And they said like, that's that's uh, Perrin's bones. Like, why are Perrin's bones here? You know. And then they're like, oh, timey wimey stuff. So I think I gave away a little bit. We're gonna have to see how that goes. Bunch of secrets got revealed. Oral's three forms are just a manifestation of her presence, that her divinity is around the whole area. So that kind of offsets effect that like these stat box blow. They, they don't represent a god very well. Her first form hunts in the cave somewhere, right? Teklili transformed a clan of kobolds into vampires. They are known as the Black Fangs. I don't think I revealed that yet. Great beasts from other worlds lay trapped in the ice. The Netheries battle powerful monsters known as Ferrum, who nearly devoured the earth. I might steal some of these secrets today. I know you're not supposed to copy secrets over from week to week, but I think I might. Because why not, right? It's, it's lazy. Is it lazier to copy secrets over? Yes, then we do it. Uh, Teklili was trapped in the caves of hunger and drank from a black oily pool and became a vampire. Thrun wasn't the only creature drawn out of the void. The Netherese used what the elves had done to open up portals to the far realm and pulled other horrors in. The knight's kiss traveled down under the caves of hunger. They have a teleportation circle that takes them to Menzo Berenzen. We're going to steal these. So let's set up a new session for today. It is the 31st, Halloween. What way to do Halloween than to have them fight a vampire? Go right down to Secrets. Bang! Uh, we'll take out these three that have already been done. Bang! So I have one, two, three, four, five. I have seven secrets already done because I'm stealing them from last week. So the strong start is Teklili is choking gore we probably want to have the kobold vampires attack right i think we're gonna have like rend hollow stand up and raise his arms and like four kobold vampires will attack and we'll see how the battle goes at some point tech lily is probably gonna go like feast on their bones and then run off right and then you know he's he, he enjoys tormenting them he doesn't i think that's a secret right tech lily likes tormenting his prey he feeds off of their fear. I think that's cool. Uh, somebody says, do you want to fight Teklili or kidnap Gore? I don't like splitting the characters up like that because then you got a player who's sitting on his hands for God knows how long. So I, I'm not going to, I don't really, splitting the party is okay, but it can be hard to run. Uh, what I will have is Teklili will kidnap any character where the player isn't there. So for example, Ilda was not in the last game. She 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 had stepped away in the middle of the game. She had something to, to, to that she couldn't get away from. So she had to step away. And so her character disappeared and it's because Tech Lili got her, right? And I think if, if she, in, in this game, as she comes back, I think we'll have a fun thing where she will, you know, she'll come back, but she'll be beaten up and she will have fought a bunch of uh, cobalt vampires and killed some cobalt vampires. I think that'd be fun. So uh, we'll come to secrets in a second. Oh, let's review our characters. So let's let's stop let's stop and, and review some characters. So we have Ilda. Ilda is a half elf, half Goliath barbarian. Family used to be cultists of our cultists of Thrun. She might have Thrun blood in her. Apparently, she was fed some Thrun blood, just like Teklili was. There is a secret. Let's let's drop that in. The same blood, right? The same blood that Teklili drank is the same that Ilda's father had fed her when she was an infant. It gave her her strange barbarian powers. All right, and that, that is, every time she rages, she's getting closer. Ooh, every time Ilda 
rages. She's getting closer to Thrun. That's exciting. So that's Ilda. Shadowhawk uh, is a half mind flayer, half drow, who is becoming a mind flayer and is being hunted by the Knight's Kiss. They managed to thwart the Knight's Kiss by leaving, but I think they they might face other members of the Knight's Kiss later. I think it might be kind of cool to run into a couple of drow. So we could have like a couple of drow spies of the Knight's Kiss wandering about. Could be a fun encounter. So that's cool. Other other characters. We have Auken Dawncaller. Auken is a Goliath. I think, you know, the, the main thing with Auken, a, a Goliath fighter, he has seen, you know, he has been to Yethrin before. I don't remember if we have that as a secret in here, do we? No, so we'll add a secret. Auken has been to before. Gorwan Alcazar, member of the Grey Castle mercantile family. Went through the trials and thought he might lose his name, but then contacted his family who still recognized him. So he's like, oh, I'm okay. But I still think it'd be fun if he has like a situation where he has to give up everything, right? Because I think that's what he's going to have. We have Perrin Fat Rabbit. Perrin is a halfling ranger slash twilight cleric, although I nerfed the twilight cleric for him. Uh, I can talk about the nerf if you're interested. Ranger Twilight Cleric, who is a conspiracy theorist and was kidnapped by Mindflare. I don't know that Perrin... Oh, we found Perrin's bones. We'll have to see. Candle in the Dark is a former member of the Xanathar Guild who fled north to avoid getting hunted down by... And during his trials, had visions of him selecting his parents for the murder by the Xanathar. And that freaked him out. And those are the characters. Things are pretty good, right? Like, we're... Oh, God, I just clicked the wrong thing. No, I don't... Delete... So we've got a good strong start, but we're going to have to think about what to do with Tech Lily because the stat blocks suck. So we're going to have to figure that out. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I got more secrets. I'm already good on secrets, but more secrets might come up. So what did I do about the Twilight Cleric? So for the Twilight Cleric, because I had not, as soon as I found out that one of the players had multi-classed into Cleric and took Twilight Cleric, I said, oh, we need to have a conversation offline. And so we did. And I said, I've run with the Twilight Cleric before, and it is a completely broken class, in my opinion. And how about if I offer you an alternative ability to Twilight Sanctuary, which is instead of it just dumping temporary hit points out all the time, it is a one and done. You fire off your channel divinity. Everybody that is nearby gains 1d8 plus your level in temporary hit points. And then it's done, right? And he said, okay, that's fine. And then he's been using it. So what that tells me is if I nerf an ability and that ability is still being used regularly by the player, that means it's probably okay. If he stopped using it and said, no, it's not as good as Turn Undead. I'd rather have Turn Undead, right? Then he probably wouldn't use it. But he's like, no, I'll use it because I get to dump like, you know, nine, 10 temporary hit points on everybody in the group, right? Like that's useful on its own. It tells me that Twilight Sanctuary should have been a one and done ability rather than this constant ongoing, like everybody gets, you know, nine temporary hit points every turn. It's such a disaster. It's really like the, the design on it. Yeah, I have, I have run with it. I have played it. And I did not like it. It made it harder for me as a DM in multiple ways. It made battles longer because everybody had to remember to do it. And it's like a new action on everybody's turn. And it meant that like every battle is not a challenge because you're just boom, boom. Every attack is offset essentially by like eight temporary hit points, right? It's crazy. You aren't there when your players did their leveling up. No, uh, I usually tell them they leveled and then they we usually do it between sessions and then they come in and they, they do it. So yeah. Fantastic locations. I just have Caves of Hunger. So I, luckily I don't have to worry about, I don't have to worry about what's going on there. And let's see, NPCs, we have Rend Hollow, we have Tech Lili, 
We have Janth. Janth Alwar is the ghost that is their friend and telling them all kinds of stuff. Any other NPCs? I'm not sure if there's any NPCs in the caves themselves. Monsters. We have like probably a couple of drow veterans, right? Let's take a look at it. Let's see. Drow. Maybe we have a drow elite warrior and a drow mage that are kind of wandering around, right? There's our elite warrior. I don't know why I'm bothering them. I'm not going to bother to link them because I, I just do them in the encounter builder anyway, so I can roll the dice. We have Teklili the vampire. We have kobold vampires. And then other monster. We have a Remoraz, right? So that secret, right, which I needed to remember. I keep putting all the important ones up top, and then another one supersedes it. Candles. We should probably, we need to have this as a scene, right? Candles. Remoraz egg is wiggling and growing hotter. You have a brand new Strahd to test out for Teklili. I don't have it because they are very different kinds of creatures. So I don't I don't think the Teklili version would be the same as the Strahd version. I think there might be an opportunity for Candle to use his Remoraz to get out of being killed by a full-size Remoraz, maybe. He's like, here's your baby. We'll see. I don't know how that's going to work out. Bunch of different monsters. Treasure, I think I'm just going to stick within the book, but I'll drop some relics in. So let's take a uh, old figurine of the tribe of the wolf that cast Revivify. That's a real good one, right? That's a good That's a good relic. What other relic do we have? Freezing Egg of Lovatar. Oh, Ruined Coin of Joaquin that casts Polymorph. Warm Jewelry Chest of the Illithids that casts Globe of Invulnerability. That's pretty cool. Pulsing Opal of Oral that casts Death Word. These are some cool ones, right? I love relics. I love relics. I love randomly generating relics. So there's some three relics that I might drop in as we go. Relics are single-use magic items. They're sort of like scrolls, but they're tied to like a cool item and they have some kind of flavor to them. And you essentially give them, anybody can use them. Uh, they can use it once and then the effect is gone. So it's a nice way to drop like a powerful spell like Globe of Invulnerability, which is a level six spell or Revivify. It's only level three, but this one has a no component cost, right? You can just use it. Handy, handy to have these, handy to have these things around. So that works, that works really well. All right, so I've got, yeah, <laughs> I hammered through the eight steps and I don't even know how long I've been talking, not very long, 20 minutes to get the eight steps done. And I feel pretty good about what I've got here. The only thing I don't feel good about is Tech Lili. What are we gonna do about Tech Lili? So I think I'm gonna have to make a couple of stat blocks. So we have the vampire and a couple, there's, there's a couple of things. So I think using the standard vampire stat block is for Tech Lili would be fine with a couple of changes. One is that his unarmed strike attack is gonna do an extra 3D6 damage. Right, or maybe 3d6 or 4d6. 3d6 is 10, 4d6 is 14. How mean do I wanna be? I don't know, I think we'll start off with 3d6 and see. So his unarmed strike will do an extra 3d6 necrotic damage. He can, instead of dealing, and we're gonna change this to instead of dealing the slashing damage or the bludgeoning damage, he can, he can, he can grab them and grapple them. Right, and then he could bite and the bite is there too. I think I'll probably increase the bite damage. So that, that's pretty good. Then I think we're changing, we're gonna skip a lot of these abilities. The vampire is so big. I can't wait to see a new vampire stat block, but we'll see. You know, I'll say one thing, fifth edition D&D &D has been out for like six years now, right? And I have yet to find a first party or third party vampire that I really like. They're either too complicated and too gitchy and they, 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 they break down in certain areas. They don't feel like vampires in a lot of cases. They don't have the same risk. I haven't found a single vampire stat block that I've liked. Now I'm probably being picky, right? Cause I love vampires are like my favorite monster. 
Uh, even the Cobalt Press ones. I took a look at the Cobalt Press ones, and I love Cobalt Press very much. Those vampires didn't do it for me either, partially because they're not just replacing a standard vampire. They have really strange ways that they operate. But I just haven't found a good vampire, right? I want, I want, I want two. I want a non-legendary vampire and a legendary vampire, but I want them to feel like vampires, and and they just don't. Like the vampire spawn is just punching you in the face, and the va- this vampire is also just kind of punching you in the face, and then has a million other stat blocks with things that you can't really use. So I, I do recall Tech Lili having some ability. So the, a problem with the November, look at the size of the stat block and it's not legendary. Like what a pain in the ass, right? So I could make, I could take this stat block and make it a legendary stat block pretty easily. He can turn into a large hyena. He's got a bite. Let's see, two attacks. One with his bite, one with his claws. Bite is D8, nine necrotic, reduces your hit points. The claw is 10 slashing. I could throw some, on the claw attack, I could throw some necrotic damage on there. Frightful cap, DC 15, or become frightened for a minute. Creature can repeat the saving throw at the end of turns. Sickening gaze. Sickening gaze might be a good bonus action. Targets one humanoid. See, DC 15, again, sort of become poisoned. If I change this one to you get to make a saving throw at the end of your turns to not be poisoned, then that might work, right? So I can change sickening gaze into a bonus action. I can give him the legendary actions. I can jack his hit points way up. Is it better to... This is interesting. Uh, if he hears words of Celestia, the vampire must try to attack the source of those spoken words. If the voice comes out in multiple sources opposite, uh, the vampire is restrained. That's weird. That's weird. Otherwise, it moves to attack what it perceives as the closest source. So if two people are speaking Celestial, you you restrain the null vampire. That's interesting, but that seems like a bit much. So the question I've got, is it better to use the null vampire stat block and make it legendary, which is pretty easy to do? Or is it better to use the vampire stat block? And, and steal some of these abilities. I think the answer is I'll use the Null Vampire and make it legendary. I think that that's easier to do because I can memorize the, I can, I can easily memorize the things that it can do. I can easily memorize the things that it can do as a, as a Null Vampire. So I think we're going to do that. I think I've, I think I've decided. And then, yeah, so the key, like, you know, one of the things I like, I, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of like any tools that you can do in your head, I think work well. And this is one that you can just do in your head, right? What do we need to do with the null? Well, beefing up hit points, that's easy, right? Give him, give him a bunch of extra hit points. 93, that's CR8. I give him twice. So he has legend, he has three legendary resistances. He has three legendary actions. He can move without provoking as one legendary action. He can do a claw attack as a legendary action. He can do a bite for two legendary actions. Uh, he can do his the sickening gaze is a bonus action. And his frightful... He could probably do his frightful cackle as a three legendary action ability, right? Wisdom saving throw. Or he should be able to just do that, right? They should be able to do that as on top of his multi-attack. You know, sort of like a dragon does. The idea that he would that his whole action would be the frightful cackle. I think that's his action economy is so low anyway. So I think that, that I think that that will work better. And a lot of times you can just dork around with the action economy of a monster. And, and kind of get it, you know, get it to where it needs to be. So for the kobolds, I didn't, you know, I didn't like these guys. I liked their, what I didn't like is that they only have the single bite attack, right? And it's like, they should have a claw attack too. Like, why don't they, you know, they're vampires, right? And one attack is too easy to miss. 
And they're not so low that you would throw a ton of guys at you. You wouldn't have like 20 of these dudes, right? I guess you could just make multiple bite attacks. You know, they can, they can bite really fast and you give them two different bite attacks. That might be better. You could run these guys with two bite attacks. And because they have pack tactics, you know, they're probably going to do, a, they're probably going to be okay. They're only CR three. So they're pretty low and, and two bite, but 11 damage, even for CR three is pretty low. 22 damage is better. You could also increase this five points to 2d6, seven, seven, you know, or th even 10, 3d6. But maybe this is better. 2d4 feels low. So I would probably increase this to 2d6 and give them two bite attacks just for ease. It'd be better if it's a bite or a claw, but I don't feel like doing a whole extra claw attack. I don't feel like, you know, I'll just, I'll just take this one. So again, that way they're, they're closer to their, their, you know, they're pretty dangerous. And how many, maybe they fight four of these guys which is a fair bit of guys, but they're also turnable, right? And their wisdom sucks. So, you know, somebody might throw a turn undead on them. So maybe we'll throw six. What is a vampire spawn? If we look at a straight vampire spawn. So they are CR five, right? And they get two attacks with a pair of claws and potentially a bite. I like to throw necrotic damage under these claw attacks to make it feel more vampiric. Again, 3d6 for 10, 10 necrotic would be pretty good. 2d6 or seven is not so bad. Makes them, definitely makes them harder. You can, you can actually just roll the one down here, right? And then for a kobold, you could have their you can have their hit points to forty, and then give them pack tactics, and then run them at about this stat block, and that and that I think works pretty well too. So you could really use the vampire spawn as a as a straight as a straight one. Uh, wisdom saving throws a little bit better. That's not bad. So so which is better, vampire kobold or vampire spawn? I think I'll probably stick with vampire spawn and then reduce the hit points to forty instead of eighty. Give them pack tactics and add necrotic damage onto their claw attack. That can work that can work pretty well. Vampires are meant to be dangerous. So that's going to be the real hard fight. Now, of course, because I'm tweaking these monsters so much, I have no idea what the challenge rating is. So Meeple says, have you ever thought about making a bestiary? No, I actually do. And why don't we, let's take a look at it. Cause I did write a vampire guide. Sly flourishes guide to vampires. Sly flourishes vampires. Uh, so myself and Chris Sims, uh, noted, noted uh, RPG designer, Chris Sims, wrote a free guide, which I will link to a, it's a free PDF, 11 pages called Sly Flourishes Vampires. And they've been tested. They've been designed and developed. They are real things. And we have things such as feral vampires. Uh, I don't have one for mummies. No, I don't like mummies as much as vampires. And I have, they, you know, let's see. So feral vampires are weaker ones. CR 13, 27 hit points. Uh, they can spider climb two attacks, only one of which can be a bite, four slashing damage, or, or they can grapple. And the bite is five plus three necrotic. So they're just weaker versions of vampire spawns. The bonded vampire was one who was like bound by mortals, right? And they, they I took this directly from uh, Darkest Dungeon. You know, these like chained, screaming, weird vampire things. Then I have vampire assassins, vampire duelist and mages, the blood knight, really powerful, like a vampire death knight kind of thing. Vampire blood mage, blood mist vampire, and the ancient one, a CR 22 vampire spawn, which is actually shockingly effective on just a single stat block. 266 hit points, despair aura, I could use this for Strahd. That'd be pretty good. Look at this one, right? It, it, life's range, right? Mainly a range spell attack, plus to hit five foot or 30 foot range. 35 necrotic damage. Target must succeed in a DC 20 or its hit points are maximum reduced by the amount equal to necrotic damage taken. 35 points. 
and it can do a life drain as a legendary action. It can also move without provoking and soul crushing gaze. That's a that was a cool one. And then you can make a art H Archmajor Sword Swordmaster uh, versions of those. Kind of fun. Uh, I'll paste this in the uh, Twitch chat here. So, but yeah, none of those really apply to here. So I think we're just going to use vampire spawns, straight vampire spawns, and then and then modify them on the fly. Hey, 40, 40 hit points. So they're a little lower. They're a little less turn resistant because they have plus three to wisdom. I'm going to throw pack tactics on top of them and I'm going to add some necrotic damage onto their claw attack. And that necrotic damage hits even if they decide to grapple. So that will that will work. What else do we have? I think, you know, I hate to I hate to call this one short, but I think we're ready. I guess, well, let's take a look at where they're going next. Okay, this is important, right? Like what's what else is happening? So I know they're fighting. Where are they? So they're up here. Whoops. They are up here in this H5, H6 area. Never going to get the size right. There we go. So what are the other... They have a couple different paths they can take. There's the big shoot. Uh, I should really take a look at 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 and see what's going on there. So let's take a look. So 6 is the ruined tower. We can learn about more stuff about the netherese. There's some treasure in here, silver holy symbol pointed stuff, mistral. So that that's kind of cool. They can learn some things here. H7 is the rubble strewn cave. Oh, here's some good lore about mistral, right? We can throw this in as a secret. That's a big ass secret. Hey, it works. You know, Teklili, we can have more stuff with Teklili. I don't know, like, when do they face Teklili for realsies? You know, that I'm not sure about. Arcane Eye Activator. So there's a single use of Arcane Eye. That's kind of funny, you know, like a little, little bit of something there's the big golem head here's another one loris you know, it's a lot of good lore so they find the big golem head and of course the golem itself is storming around in another place so that's kind of interesting and they toppled spire some potions of superior healing that's that's kind of handy the light and there's the big shoot that goes down to area 24 then so so there are definitely parts of this location that can get missed right there's like H11, there's all of this size, this whole side here, H11 through like H21, which could get missed if they go down the chute, but that's fine. You know, like somebody else wrote it. I didn't, it might be kind of neat to connect up. It's like if they come down here, so there's, there's cool places like this guy, H31, like, you know, what are the, what are the locations that you really want to see? And I think H31 would be a shame not to see. Uh, and that one, H31, the thing in the ice, right? That there's a huge, weird creature stuck behind the ice that is another Thrun-like monstrosity, not as powerful as Thrun, but there, you know, like the, the old one. And I think like this is the thing whose blood Teklili drank, right? And became a vampire. And I think this might be a fun place to end Tech Lili's existence would be in this chamber. So I think that might be another secret because I don't have enough secrets today, right? We could definitely have another secret. Tech Lili lairs in the chamber of a monstrosity that even the kobold vampires fear too much to witness. Yeah, and I think that the players could get drawn to, right? So who? Auken is drawn to a creature in Area 31, right? Actually, I think a few people would be, but I think Auken would be. 
I think they might each like a few of them because they all have a bunch of weird stuff going on, right? So I think that certainly Shadow 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 Storm Storm Shadow Shadowhawk. I said Storm Shadows from GI Joe. Uh, Shadowhawk probably can hear it because he's got this telepathic mind thing that there's like a buzzing coming from that location. I think that likewise, Perrin probably feels like his arms burning a little bit because like there's psychic feedback that's going on and there's like, he can kind of feel it. And then Auken can hear it, right? And Auken, you know, it's, it's, it's like being driven, like, come to me, right? And it's this huge, it's this huge creature in the ice. I think they might also see frozen Ferrum. So that's cool. Yeah, Akin was dreaming of things in the ice, so he might dream, he might realize like, oh my God, I've seen this thing too. And maybe he drank from it too, right? Maybe maybe like his father gave him some or something like that. Wouldn't that be weird? I don't know. So that's cool. Then there's the, clearly the rem section. Let's give a, let's, so let's, let's just take a quick glance through these chambers and see like, which ones do you really want people to deal with? Which one's not? So... So the Dennis shadows, 11 through 21, are mostly Teklili's. You have shadows, Curse of Hunger. I don't know if I'm going to do that. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Some nasty stuff going on there. Ice-filled caves. Ice sculptures. Who did these ice sculptures? Interesting. Drac uh, Darakath's Doom, a, a wraith of the Netherese, right? That, so that's kind of interesting. Mantle of Spell Resistance. Woo. And a Staff of Charming. I don't know if I want to give that up. That's pretty great. That's pretty powerful. The Staff of Charming is kind of interesting, except, I don't know, I might I might not, I might not do the Staff of Charming. Is there another cool staff? Staff of Lightning items. Is it time for a Staff of Power? Kona Cold, Fireball, Globe of Vulnerability. That's a lot of stuff to give. That's really a tier three thing. I don't think we want to drop that in tier two. It's too many of its spells are. The Staff of Defense is always appreciated. That would be, I, I know our, our sorcerer would certainly love that. Maybe we'll do a staff of defense. Nice straightforward thing. Maybe we can stop him from getting beaten. All right, what else we got here? Ice caves, ooh, a slot. Yeah, the slot thing bursts out. Eh. Den of the vampire spawn. That's kind of cool. Snow golems. I wonder what made the snow golems. Den of death. So lots of neat, neat things, but I think like I'll just let them I'll just let them sort of explore this place, right? And 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 see what they see what they do. Here's uh the the drow elite warriors, right? This is cool. I already have all this guy, these guys in here. That's the drow outpost, which is probably the outpost from which it will seem you know, for people that are thinking about it, it might seem too coincidental that the drow who have been hunting for Shadowhawk happen to have an outpost in the very caves that they escaped to. But who knows? It's you know it's fun to kind of have things come around. The idea that the sh that the Knights Kiss aren't actually here; these are people who work for the Knights Kiss, right? And they're sort of holding their own. And then maybe Knights Kiss will show up. That 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 seems like it could be kind of cool. Piercers, Vladimir's spark, a frost giant named Bla Vladimir. Oh, this is the yeah. We're not doing this. This is the spear that can make you huge and gives you like a twenty three strength. Better, I think, would be like a spear that has the effects of a storm giant or a, a like a frost a belt of frost giant strength, right? I'd rather give that, and that way, you know, I think that would be cooler. The idea that you become twenty one feet tall and seven thousand pounds, 
Like it's not going to help you here. Here's a mummy. Mummies have the problem that fire resistance. Mummies need lots of help because their, their fire vulnerability makes it so much easier for them to kill. So don't feel don't feel bad about doubling up a mummy's damage or mummy's hit points. And then they become sort of normal. You, you want the fire to be their weak spot, but not so weak that you can like one shot them. Stone cube. That's actually a spitting mimic. Spitting mimics are great, by the way. Some Nothics. I think there's probably too many Nothics. So yeah, pretty good stuff. But I, you know, I, I think it'll just be fun for them to explore, and they'll probably miss stuff, and that's okay. We can we can probably add some like secret chambers that can let them get the things that they normally can't get to, so that they can return. I know that some people said like once you go down the chute, you can't really go back. So you need you need you need ways to do, you know, need ways to get back. So the idea of like once you're down, I guess these areas connect down here. So it's pretty, it's pretty Jakeway. You know, is it a Jakeway dungeon? It seems like it. Like there's lots of loopbacks. There's lots of ways to get back and forth. So yeah, I think it's a very Jakeway style style map. I think it, I think it works pretty well. I wonder who designed it. It's a pretty good dungeon. Big, great big, great big place. Well, I think we are all set for today. I know where my game is starting. I've got my secrets and clues. I've got all the material that I. What happened to my picture here? I've got all the stuff that I need, and I think I'm all set. So. We will call the show over. I want to thank everybody for hanging out with me this morning to help me prep my D&D game. And we will be on next week to see how things went. So thank you all very much. If you want to help me out, there's a few things you can do. You can subscribe to the Sly Flourish newsletter. You can subscribe to my videos on YouTube. You can become a patron of Sly Flourish or you can pick up any of my books. So if you like any of this stuff, please take a look at all any or all of those. Thank you all very much and have a great day.